I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. In the past two years, San Francisco has increased its reliance on street teams to address its homelessness crisis. The teams provide people in need with access to mental health clinicians, community paramedics, and peer mentors. Since launching in late 2020, the city's street teams have answered more than 14,000 calls, most of them involving people experiencing homelessness. But a majority of those cases resulted in the person remaining outside. For the past five months, the city's been trying a different approach. Residents and merchants in the Castro District have long complained about the impacts of homelessness in the neighborhood, issues like public psychotic episodes, storefront vandalism, and harassment. San Francisco's new pilot program concentrates services on the people there most in need. So far, it's been working. The city identified dozens of chronically unhoused people and were able to move them into shelter after years outside. A majority of them agreed to regular treatment to address the needs that have kept them on the streets. In her recent State of the City address, Mayor Lennon Breed praised the Castro pilot program and expressed a desire to replicate it throughout the city. Working with Supervisor Mandelman, we're finally starting to see some success in the Castro reaching people who've refused service for years. That targeted, coordinated, consistent approach is working, and we need to expand it to other neighborhoods. Today on Fit the Mission, Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan joins me to talk about why this approach was different and better. While the results so far may appear promising, Kevin also shares how hard it may be to expand it throughout San Francisco. Kevin, welcome back to Fit the Mission. Thanks for having me. So, Kevin, at the top of your story, you introduce readers to a formerly unhoused woman named Victoria Solomon, who was helped by the pilot program you reported on. Tell me more about her. She's been there a long time. I remember her from 10 years ago, which is about as long as she's been there for most people's memories, including her own. Uh, She has anger issues, as she said, meaning she sometimes strides up and down the sidewalk screaming, waving her arms. She camped near a mural just off Castro Street for many years. Lots of residents complained about her. She complained back. Uh, Advocates came to try to help her. She was really hard to engage with. This is a characteristic of chronically homeless people who've been out a long time and are dealing with drug and mental issues. People had tried, counselors, outreach workers, to get her inside. What worked was having this intensive, everyday approach. And she eventually listened, and she was able to relate to the main outreach counselor who's there, who, like a lot of outreach counselors, has some lived experience with homelessness and drug abuse. And it worked. Because one thing about homeless folks, especially chronically homeless people, is they have really good bullshit detectors. They can tell right away if you're real or if you're just trying to come by and you're kind of a tourist, they know when you're really dug in and you mean it and you've lived it. Well, Kevin, we know that San Francisco's homelessness crisis is happening throughout the city. What was going on in the Castro that prompted this particular pilot program? The Castro's an interesting Petri dish for this. Rafael Mandemon, the supervisor from that area, had been listening to complaints for years from residents and merchants and you know, just people who hang out in the in that particular neighborhood. It's it's confined. It's pretty upscale. The thing that worked for this as a project was that you could swarm it fairly easily. Not a whole ton of homeless people there compared to other districts of the city. So you could do this intensive effort and see how it works on this 
condensed scale like this. And from what I saw, and I, I did go in off and on through a period of time, it was succeeding. What has been missing is, is this intensive day-to-day, one-on-one, repetitive contact. Because sometimes on chronically homeless people, the thumbnail that I've heard for decades is it can take two years of intensive engagement mm-hmm. to get someone to agree to come off the street. That's a long time. Okay, so this pilot program takes a more personalized approach with intensive time spent on people they identified as needing that kind of support. How did the city launch the program? Well, the residents had been complaining for a long time, and the city wanted to try something like this. So last August, a bunch of the merchants there said, well, we're not going to pay taxes if you don't fix this problem here. They had been complaining before that, too. So There's not a direct correlation between that particular threat and the launch of the team, at least the way I was told. Hmm. In August, this effort was led by the Department of Emergency Management and the Department of Public Health. Those are the two main spearheads of this. And the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing is also involved, along with this little galaxy of teams that has been launched over the last couple of years. But DPH, Public Health, is the one that sent key supervisor there, and Erica, the main outreach counselor who walks every day. And emergency management helps coordinate the other teams. They meet regularly to strategize about whether they you need a mental health team there, do you need a drug crisis team there, do you need a 5150, which is where you put someone on a psychological hold. Now that it's been segmented, if you can just coordinate those things more smoothly, it'll work. But coordinating everything has been a real challenge. And that's why the Castro worked, because it was small. Mm -hmm. Now, you've hinted that the program has been successful in just a matter of months. Tell me more about the results that the program was able to achieve. There were 34 people in in the cohort, so to speak. And in the past five months, eight of them got housed or put into residential treatment facilities. Seven more went into shelters. And 19 of these 34 total agreed to regular program of treatment and counseling and routing into housing, which is pretty phenomenal because you just don't get those kind of numbers usually. It's a, it's a lot more, you know, hey, how you doing? I'll see you next week. Here's a power bar. Here's a poncho, that kind of thing. And it's not to cast any shadow on what the teams normally do anyway, because I do think they have some real success in what they are able to accomplish given what they're told to do and the resources they have. This team worked quicker and was getting results faster. More with Kevin Fagan after a quick break. Could this promising pilot program in the Castro be replicated throughout San Francisco? Kevin will share what it will take. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. I want to dig a little bit more into how this program differs from the city's maybe about 10 or so outreach teams that are on the streets. Your story spotlights the work of health department counselor Erica McGarry. You mentioned her already. You observed her approach and watched her as she built relationships with people on the street. And you called what she does, quote, a bit of street magic. What does that actually look like in action? Well, it looks like Erica. 
She's a perfect embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. When she comes walking down the sidewalk, she's not dressed in a suit. She's not dressed in fancy clothes. She looks like she just walked out of the apartment like any other person wearing normal everyday things, which people can relate to. And she radiates street smarts because she has street smarts. She was homeless. She did struggle with substance abuse. She overcame all that and then came up through the ranks of working in shelters, outreach teams, the public health department. So when she shows up, you can see the interaction. There was a guy at the Muni station there up at uh, Castro and Market who was laying on the sidewalk, and she's trying to get him to move inside, take whatever you know they have to offer. And he's resistant. He's not hostile, but he's saying, I don't know, I think maybe I'll decide in a few days, you know, which is a fairly typical answer. But she says, what do you need right now? Uh, I want a haircut. She gets on the phone, click, click, click. She says, okay, I'll get you a haircut this afternoon. And, you know, anything else says, yeah, he starts scratching himself. I need a shower. Again, she clicks on the phone. She gets the guy a shower. Like, I think it was the next morning or that afternoon. But it was quick. So that's building trust. It's showing that you can deliver. And then after she puts people into housing or shelter, she actually follows up. That's really important because a lot of times you route someone into a shelter. You dust off your hands and say, okay, next. You need to follow up and check. And that has happened with some of the people that I focused on with Erica. And she was she was good because she adjusted what they needed. Not everyone is a one-size-fits-all. You have to tailor it. It's about personalizing the response to Absolutely. each person. Yeah. Well, this all sounds really great, Kevin. And Mayor Lennon Breed thinks so also. She praised the project's progress in her recent State of the City address. And she says she wants to expand it to other neighborhoods But what you've described so far sounds like a lot of time, a lot of hands-on energy. What would it take for a citywide expansion of this kind of program? It would take segmenting parts of the city into focus areas like this. The Tenderloin, just saying you're going to replicate what Erica does and her cohorts in the Tenderloin is more involved than that because it's bigger. It's got a much larger population on the street a greater concentration of problems. So what you would have to do is divide areas into little Petri dishes like the Castro and then devote several workers to that area every day. The caveats I kept hearing about this as well, it costs some money, takes some coordination. They have to figure it out politically, but decide, okay, we're going to do this. We're cutting it up into certain districts you know, this X number of districts and we're going to launch it because we already have a lot of staffing out there on the streets. You could redispatch mm-hmm. some of it and it could get done. At the same time, under federal and local law, treatment and housing can't be forced onto people. Supervisor Rafael Mandelman, who represents the Castro District, thinks the city should have more power to do that. But that sort of feels like the opposite spirit of what this program is really doing. Why does he feel that way? Because for, God, decades, as long as anyone can remember, there are problem people that the counselors will identify, people who just resist and are screaming at the walls, and they're not a danger to themselves, and they're not a danger to other people. And that's the yardstick you have to use. Mm -hmm. And as everyone from Governor Newsom on down to the street outreach worker in the neighborhood says, that's not healthy. For people, it's it's not compassionate to let someone live like that. 
But the way our laws are constructed, you cannot force someone in unless you meet these various criteria. And the criteria, those bars are are very high. And so Manelman would like to see those bars lowered. Hell, London Breed would like to see them lowered. Gavin Newsom would like to see them lowered. The pushback on that is that there's this image of people being forced, you know, in chains into some facility somewhere against their will. And then once they recover, then you're kept there against your will. It's a personal freedom issue. And I think anyone with some compassion can see both sides of that ball. A program involves a lot of paperwork, a lot of department heads having to agree. Just doing interventions on a one-on-one scale is easier to to handle. You can just tell your staff, okay, you're going to handle, you know, fifth and mission for the next <laughs> two months. Mm-hmm. That is more doable. So, Kevin, has the program made a visible difference on the streets of Castro? What are residents and merchants feeling about the program's results? They are, as we say in this business, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> the people who run Cliff's Variety, which is this landmark kind of place on Castro. It's been there 50 years. And Martha Aston is the co-owner of it. She said, yeah, I noticed a little bit of difference. I'm hoping it works. She's seen other efforts like this happen. And it'll make a difference. And then it kind of drops because the attention strays. That's the trouble. You can't You can't just go in and swarm a place for five months or a year and then say, okay, done, move on. Because This is a problem that regenerates. All the metaphors of whack-a-mole and regenerating molds or whatever people say, it it regenerates because poverty is a continuous fountain in this country and in this city for new homeless people in the streets. So you got to get ahead of the curve and then stay ahead of the curve. It does seem to have an effect, but it is a work in progress. So it's, I don't know what the timeline could possibly be for when you say, okay, we've solved that for the moment, but it's it's not now. For now, you have really good signs and some success. So what's next for the pilot program? Will it continue or is there an end date? I did not hear an end date for it. They're seeing how it goes. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your reporting and thanks for sharing it with me. Well, thanks for having me. Kevin Fagan is a reporter at The Chronicle. His story about San Francisco's pilot program in the Castro is online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Gary Baca for editing this episode, Sarah Feldberg for the production help, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>